to Mind Crime Liberty Show with me, Swin Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss, is free speech a unicorn? Tim, what do you mean here? About a year ago, we had Right Ruminations on, a former YouTuber, on what would a community devoted to free speech would look like. Um, today I'd like to discuss, we've done similar episodes like this um, in the sort of Randian format of the, you know, the Aristotelian axis does exist and exist, and we don't have our things like in this format. So you could also call this, does free speech exist? The left likes to passively aggressively make fun of the free speech warriors on the right or right center by saying that free speech never existed historically for civil rights activists, communists, and anarchists throughout the days of the United States, and for that matter, Britain, Commonwealth countries, and the major European powers. He recently on a roundtable with, um, with, um, Todd Lewis and uh, 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 t- t- Terminal Philosophy, both former guests on this show, and they, Keith brought up the um, point that um, you know they didn't let Marx's book. Marx's book got by the czarist censors because no one could understand it. Um, so you know historically censorship of some variety against books, other publications was was exist. Uh, and currently. Chris Cutrone, a Marxist of some variety, was doing a Q&A, and someone asked him a related question regarding free speech. He responded that Doug Lane, who was like, he's been on a podcast of his, he's zero books, uh, Mark Fisher, somewhat related to him, um, can say whatever he wants about Marxism, but not about vaccines on YouTube. The elite senators don't view Marxism, in Cutrone's version, to be a real threat, rather a book project, so they let it go. It just flies under the radar. Um, so, so I guess the better question is: Does free speech exist um, to taboo dangerous ideas? I think that's the thing we really have to center in here, um, because many regimes will allow you to have free speech about things which they don't care about. You have lots of debates over, like you know, which which person is a better fantasy soccer player or baseball player, or you know, no one really per se, cares about. Now, you might be able to make political allegories out of this, but in direct terms, you don't You don't really. Um, if So, back to the existence things. If something were to exist, it has to be defined. Um, unicorns don't exist, but certain aspects of them are plausible. Certain aspects of them are plausible. Some horse-like thing with horns seems plausible. Uh, so, is free, the eating rainbows, not so much. Unicorns, of course, in a fictional world exist. Um, you know, but in the quote unquote real world, unicorns don't exist. I mean, they're like four sided triangles or hot and cold steak. Um, however, in this sense, they are fictional. So, if, is free speech something like that? Um, because on the one hand, it doesn't exist in the past. That's one of the things that most dissident people today uh, uh, recognize. And and I mean, it doesn't didn't exist in the U.S. Civil War. It didn't exist in World War. One or World War Two in any country, for that matter. Nor does it exist in any one country on top of the aforementioned COVID. And it doesn't exist in Ukraine. Opposition parties are banned. It doesn't exist in China. You, you know the Winnie the Pooh thing and stuff. Um, so you know, find me a society that free speech exists in that which which isn't quote unquote fictional, or you don't have a fictional take on it. Um, so most regimes aren't at the Orwellian level where book projects are banned. Um, um, like, maybe you, you could could argue, ironically enough, the Soviet Union was that. Um, but, but like, but interestingly, if you formulate what you're doing 
in the wrong terms. Some people might not view it as a book project. Jeffrey Tucker recounts the story where he traveled to Canada to give a talk on anarchism. When the border guard had asked him what he was doing traveling to Canada, he just happened to say he was going to an anarchist conference. And he was like, whoa, um, said the guard. Tucker had to explain himself, more or less, and he was detained, and he's, he had to use the word professor and dissertation to get out of it. I mean, it made it sound like a pie-in-the-sky academic thing that was no threat. Arguably, that is what he and many intellectuals are doing. It's just kind of, a, you know, it's not like they're organizing. Although there is a potential energy here. Um, that's that's the interesting. There is a potential energy there. Um, you know, if, 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 if you went up to Canada and say you're going to organize a vaccine skeptic rally, I doubt they'd let you in. Um, now, you just if you say they're just going to go to a national park, they probably would because they want your money. Um, um, so, you know, there's lots of people that threaten the things. So on an intellectual level of ideas, I, mean, I think Mr. West threatens, um, the establishment by turning the blacks away from the democratic party and into a more hard to control group. Um, I mean, Malcolm X did too. It's the reason why MLK has every street in, uh, named after him in some city. I think there's sort of a darker reason, which a lot of left progressives tend to miss. Well, not all of them. Glenn Greenwald doesn't miss it, nor does Chris Cutrone. But a lot of the enormous leftists do miss that sort of interesting insight here. Now, more practical concerns, which I think also need to be brought up. Um, I don't worship Elon Musk. Don't. I'm going to start with that. Elon Musk is probably in bed with the CIA to, for his rocket company, and Tesla's heavy, heavily subsidized. But Elon Musk has bought Twitter and has reinstated some people, but not Alex Jones. But as far as more practical concerns, he's been a recent uh, folk... Uh, a brouhaha, because I think his girlfriend and his child, uh, the one named after this playing, were stalked. Now, whether the details are exactly true, you can imagine it being true. Um, um, and no one in Chitlib territory has any issue. So speaking, basically doxed his location, followed him. And, you know, as Musk himself said, if anyone did this to Chuck Schumer or um, whatever, Joe Biden, you know, uh, There'd be like congressional investigations about doxing your location, um, in 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 that manner. Um, so you know, but then again, no, everyone's a hypocrite on this. No one in Shitlib territory, as I said, would ha had any problem going after the guy who did the wrestling meme about CNN, Nikki Mazaj's unvaxed relative, or of course Star Slater Codex. So the idea of privacy, you know, to doxing seems to be what is done. Um, so maybe the question is an ideal side. There are people who are moderately famous. Can they keep privacy and vice versa? Can people who are private, who have, who write things, not uh, not be known, so to speak? Um, I mean, on my point, I mean, Fauci and Schwab complain that they're, they get harassed. I mean, I don't think the Bilderberg group publicly identifies their location. You should watch Max Blumenthal trying to get into the hotel where they were. Um, but uh, the state does limit the spread of, now, to be fair to the right, Compared to the left, one of the things that the left will complain about is, is like the state does limit the spread of like Bernie Sanders movements, BLM, anarchist groups, certain anarchist groups, certain eco terrorist groups too. Now you could argue they are more hands off. Of course they are. Of course they are more hands off. You know, you you made on a recent roundtable with Todd that like, you know, the stop oil protesters. Like if a bunch of nationalists did that, they would be they would throw the book at them. Of course they do. Um, but they still, in the end, arrest them at some point. It's not like they don't do anything. They do do something. Or do they, they, maybe they don't do anything. But I do think they do something, at least something. I do agree there's disequal treatment, don't get me wrong. 
Um, so, and the final point before I pass it to you is, forget shouting fire, but how about shouting obscenities with a megaphone? Can you shout a megaphone into a home of a person all the time? In a sense, this is, in a sense, this is free speech. Can you shout obscenities in a restaurant? Now you can say, well, what's the context? Is there private property? And furthermore, in the Balenciago thing, I have no clue how to say that necessarily, they have brought about the Supreme Court ruling, and they bring up this fact that, you know, certain forms of political degeneracy aren't allowed because they're not but in that supreme course he said it's not against free speech to be against um it's not against the first amendment to be against child pornography which is roughly the thing so you argue that's that's free speech and of course this there's a street preacher in the u.s in, in who from the u.s went to a gay village or a gay parade in in in, in england and he got arrested um it's, it's sort of an awesome thing uh but uh because he was just preaching like a fire and brimstone thing so arguably, on the reverse, pop music's like that. Then, so Swithin, does anyone believe in free speech without qualifications? Uh, what, what would you be? What would you be your take on that, Swithin? Well, no, clearly not. Um, nobody would defend free speech in every and all um, situations. Um, I mean, Walter Block doesn't go full free speech. Uh, you might think would be, well. If you understand a system, then you understand why he 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 has this sort of you could say an exception. Although he could argue that, well, I suppose you could argue from sort of libertarian Rothbardian tradition that they don't actually hold free speech as a value as such. Free speech is only a value insofar as it's a manifestation of um, private property, uh, free exchange, homesteading, and that kind of thing. Uh, so, so Block, for instance, would say that uh, you can't make. Uh, threats to kill uh you can't make verbal threats in that way because uh that's sort of analogous or in close to what well, uh threatening aggression and aggression is wrong therefore um threats to aggression are if if they're now clearly they, they would have to be in a context where they could be believable and they were intended not in a situation like in film or something along those lines um so nobody really holds um free speech um is as, as, as an absolute value um i i think really with the idea with free speech is that there is well there's multiple ones i mean one would be uh, john stuart mill would argue you know free speech was was there to help the discovery of the truth you'd have all these counter narratives and counter uh arguments and debates and this would be a way of, of getting towards truth I think another aspect of the arguments for free speech is that there is a sense of who an individual is and they should be able to express in a way who they are and what they they, they think. And this is a sort of an, an aspect of being a fully individualized human and they shouldn't be... Uh, concerned for for their safety or legal repercussions for saying something because it's sort of an extension of themselves in a way uh, what i would say is in most cases though i don't actually think people hold to the view that free speech actually helps discover truth and i don't think in most cases people think that oh um we want uh, a space for uh, authentic self-expression of individuals 
Um, historically, it would seem very clear to me to be the case that the left supported free speech in, say, the 60s and 70s, basically because well, they were the people who were opposing the current power structures. And then when, the boot, when they become the dominant uh, force, they then become the censors, um, which is an entirely consistent position in a certain sense. Uh, well, of course, you know, uh, hate speech is is bad, and we have to stop it. So, uh, you know, once we're in a position to do so, we will. Um, so, in a sense, it's it, it, it's consistent like that, but um, it's not. Um, it doesn't seem to be principled in any um, in any reasonable um, in any reasonable way. Um, so, I, I think when you come to uh, discussions, though, of free speech. I think you've got to be clear about what the purpose is. Um, you know, is is playing or speaking really, really, really loudly in a massive megaphone uh, at someone's house? Is that free speech? Well, you could argue. So, what, what I would firstly say is, um, when it comes to legality areas or like public thoroughfares or where there is, it it's not entirely private the sort of like uh yeah the public the, the the roads um and sort of like public areas as such they're kind of different from being within a a particular closed off room within a hotel or something along those lines um so i i think you'd want to distinguish that as to what would the constitute free speech uh, and depending sort of on the context um but primarily, I think in the debates, the, the political and things, the argument really for free speech, I would say, is that it helps discover truth. And so in in a sense, you can sort of exclude arguments and prevent some people from speaking if they don't share the goal, if they're just there to uh, wind up the opposition or to troll and to now that not say that trolls can't be trolls can be interesting. And they can actually add value to, to debates. But if they're just going to do a screed or whatever, I mean, you could just sort of exclude them. Because I suppose really what you want is in the context of truth discovery is the best version of any possible argument, which doesn't necessarily imply in all venues um, having everybody possible to speak. You want the best versions of person to speak so that you can kind of work out you know, what is right and what is not. Um, so... When it comes to free speech, I, I, I think really what you want to think about is kind of the teleology of of free speech. You know, what is the purpose of free speech? And I think then you can get some reasonable sort of guardrails on it in a way. Because clearly, I mean, no one's really going to argue that if uh, I'm abusive about your mother or something that you should treat me as well as you did before I did. I didn't say that before i said that i mean that that would be absurd um or i laughed when your dog died uh, and recorded and sent it to you i mean uh, it, it in a sense the people who argue say that oh free speech doesn't mean freedom from consequences are correct in certain respects but in, but in a sense you could argue they commit sort of a modern bailey fallacy it's like yeah but you've got to take into account context relationship that kind of thing i mean if you're just some random, I mean, why do you care? Uh, whereas if it's someone you, who's known to you uh, personally, then, of course, it's just kind of a different context. So uh, no 
people don't support free speech and I don't think people typically support it that much on I don't think many people really do believe in free speech on um on uh disproof discovery or sort of like as an idea of uh individual authenticity I I, I think is is rarely defended and, and if it's defended it's defended on purely um pragmatic grounds to advance a particular cause over and above free speech itself. So the next set line of questioning here for, I don't know if I want to answer myself too, did it ever exist? And I try to think about what would be the paradise, what would be the free speech golden age? I, golden age, I actually think, ironically enough, maybe the mid-2010s. Uh, I, mean, uh, I mean, both Greenwald and Tucker were on, were commenting on this, that that like the internet was still not totally, you know, you know, with the basic Twitter files, which basically brings up all the known knowns about what was happening like the internet's very like twitter is basically a subsidy of the intelligence services they have they're spending like a four million dollars a year on on like something like that on like uh requests uh uh to like you know look at accounts and so forth and location data uh, imagine it's true for google and facebook as well as other things i mean what's you know so um so maybe the mid two thousands to like two thousand because the internet wasn't as regulated but it was still existed. You know, you get the blogosphere. I think on other accounts we brought up like the whole, I mean, the Ron Paul and Barack Obama presidency. I know Barack Obama was terrible. Okay, uh, again, but like there's a sort of image of it. The same with image of Bernie Sanders, which people like Greenwald and Jimmy Dore like. Now the reality is different, and I think Ron Paul is much more genuine. But like those were arguably created because of the early blogosphere and the internet. They should have got big. You know, Mises Institute used the internet too to get big. Their books are all free, and that's to some extent we're products of the Mises Institute. Like, I mean, I think you went to it, but like in some sense, the Mises Institute's like the reason people know about it, um, to a large degree, is Ron Paul, and the reason and the Ron Paul campaign was probably one of the early area campaigns and so forth. Um, so maybe the early two thousand tens, like. Because, you know, if you look at World War I, the U.S. Civil War, U.S. Civil War, Tom Renzo points that, you know, the, the mail service had a monopoly, de facto monopoly, and they wouldn't let papers that were not congruent with what the Lincoln regime was saying um, be carried. They just, you know, that's basically what the modern day version of what happens when you want to have a blog that's critical of, of a certain topic. Um, so I don't know if there's any golden ages here. Um so I'm going to combine the next question here with you. And what do you make of the whole, like, street features, or for that matter, playing erotica or pornography in public, as well as, um, you know, you did bring up a like, question of like, of, of, like, shouting obscenities here or just shouting in a megaphone here. Now, I think it's perfectly reasonable to have an, an auditorium that, that, that's more or less private, um, even in Kapistan. Uh, where you, uh, where you, where, where anything goes in there. I think that's within reason. Now the question is, what is what is within reason here? I mean, that, that that's 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 the arbinger word here. Now, if you have, you know, like like if you're showing up obscene film, which everyone else thinks is illegal, is that quote unquote, um, is that quote unquote free speech, so to speak? I don't know. I don't know. It depends on what you think is legal versus illegal. Now, if you're just and Greenwald again was talking this. I was doing a lot of preparation for this, and he was talking about how, you know, like if you're organizing, and this is something that the Marxists would like. If you're organizing a strike against, let's say you're going to meet in an auditorium at a high school to organize a strike against Amazon, or for that matter, a coal company in 1910, you know, could the police deny your permit? 
I think that I don't think any gymnasium would allow an organization for a vaccine skeptic to allow to, to, to recently. Maybe now they would, but you know, twelve months ago they wouldn't. So the question is dangerous ideas. You know, you know, like like if you connect the dots. You know, speaking of like, you know, the consequence views. One of the things I think the the state is implicitly aware of is that that if X is true, in some sense. Y and Z becomes like so. Like if Fauci indeed is as, or Hancock is indeed isn't criminal as they say it is, and it comes out that such and such is a criminal. I think Assange has the same problem. You know, if we realize that oh wow, 9/11 was a false flag, or well, even if it wasn't, even if it wasn't a false flag, it was we went after the wrong country. These things come out. You know, people will get angry at the regime, and you know it will lead to the regime's fall, or certain aspects of it will fall. So X, so then violence, which is Z, becomes more likely. So like I, I in some sense see the censors. Um, I see at sometimes I can I can put, you know, it's an annoying cliche, but I can put myself into the censors' shoes, so to speak. Um, so Swithin, you know, what do you make about these other cases where there's where there's violence or potential violence? At it? I mean, I'm fine with it because again, I don't really defend the current regime at any meaningful way uh so i don't really care i mean they make oil expensive far from you know i don't really care in that sense but but you know like street teachers playing erotica from organizing the the protect uh the the workers of workers what what do you make of these cases with them is, is it a unicorn i'm gonna ask again um when it comes to i i was hinted this before i mean if you have a situation where you have a, a clearly private event, as in you enter, you leave, people know you're in there, you, you go, is a clearly demarcated uh, situation. Um, I mean, I would say, well, I, I would hold to the position that, well, yeah, basically anything goes. Now, I suppose you could claim, uh, well, if you were in Ankapistan, you know, you'd have a, some sort of, covenant agreements or you might have some agreement that maybe lowers your insurance premiums which means that you know you you can't have uh, the revolutionary communist party uh meeting in your in your building in your gymnasium to foment the revolution against the natural aristocracy or something um i mean that's that's perfectly possible uh whether or not that would be a good thing to um to stop is another question because that's always the problem with the censor is the sen- it, it makes sense if you can completely stamp out the idea uh, to stop anyone taking it seriously and then overthrowing the regime but if you get it so that it's kind of out there and you can't really stamp it out but then you do try to stamp it out then you actually as it were give it um marketing you some advertising and then it becomes oh well what's this idea that, that the government is very very um very concerned to, to, to stamp out i mean that's so so, so the census has has, has an issue there um but um you know but organizing uh events or whatever in particular private locations i i i don't see any real argument against them i mean may not be very good and maybe you'd want to organize something slightly differently well fine but I could see that as being sort of like free speech in the traditional sense, because the way I would, as I say before, I, I think mostly it's like discovery of truth and to some extent, some sort of like sense of you being an individual and 
and expressing yourself in a way, but not, not in like the really cliche way of like, oh no, be yourself. It's like, well, not, not really. We just sort of recognizes that I'm not you and you're not me. And we have different ways of looking at things. Um, I think the the public events like reading erotica in public or, or whatever, I, I think that's a more, some of a more interesting case. Um, I, I mean, there, I suppose, when you could support it, but most people don't. Uh, the question is, well, how could you defend that? Well, um, I suppose one way of, of, of approaching it is to say, well, these are sort of like public spaces, and so we need to make them sort of suitable for the general public. And I suppose really with that kind of stuff, you could say in general children, if the idea that the community is there to sort of foster uh, the good of the, or let's use a traditional sort of Catholic concept, you know, or, Protestant one of the common good, then you know you could see how this might be inimical, uh, inimical to it. It'd be inappropriate, and it was just sort of the wrong context for it. Uh, and and for that as well, this might justify you know restrictions on certain types of what could be depicted on billboards and other things in public because this is uh, like a very frontward facing um, part of society, and it's not it's one where you can't um, discriminate appropriately between who's seeing it and. Whatever, and it would be bad for sort of social order uh, in 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 sort of certain ways. Um, one thing we haven't mentioned actually, um, which is normally brought up, oh, people don't support free speech, is, is shouting fire in a, a crowded theatre. The thing is that that's actually a really bad example because it's quite easy. You can go, you can have like a contract written or an implicit contract, which is, yeah, you don't deliberately shout fire in a theatre if there's not one there because otherwise it breaks the contract of the, the just well it breaks the agreement that allows you to go into the building. A more interesting case would probably be shouting fire in a public thoroughfare where you know there's a big lot of people, maybe it's a public event. I mean, so for instance, I've seen some of the pictures in Argentina um, for um, for the World Cup. The pictures in Argentina for the um, World Cup victory, and there's loads of people there. I mean, you shout fire there, then you could cause stampede. Now, again, is that something I would just justify is go, well, actually, no, I think we'd probably say no, that's not a justifiable thing to do. Is it really a goal of expressing oneself? Is it uh, leading to the discovery of truth? Well, no. And so I wouldn't really uh, defend it. Um, just on, on like threats to kill in public, I mean, if you were to say, oh, you should go and burn down this place or you should uh, seize the means of production, I suppose it, my concern there is, to what extent you can be considered a a cause of an action that somebody else does. So if you go say, oh, if season means of production and then all the proles then go and uh, take over the factory or whatever, you know, have you caused that? Well, in a sense, yes. Uh, but in another sense, no. Uh, and I would generally be reticent in es- establishing legal um, culpability uh, unless the threat was very specific and you were seemingly in some form of active conspiracy. Um, other, otherwise, um, otherwise it's very loose and then you can get um, prosecuted for everything and anything. And actually as well, a lot of the laws against free speech, you could argue in a sense, um, a species of intellectual property law. Uh, so I mean, you, you, well, actually that's very true, like defamation. Uh, it's as if you own your reputation, and so if someone defames you, then um, that's um, th- th- that's sort of uh, legally actionable. Just one more thing before I forget: uh, you mentioned doxing with uh, with um, Elon Musk. 
Um, clearly, again, if you have a, a platform like Twitter, is the purpose of there to reveal where people live? Well, not really. So, I mean, you could clearly, with, I think, reasonable consistency, prevent doxing taking place or banning people for doing it on the platform. But should doxing be illegal per se? Well, I don't think so, because you just look at the book and go, oh, yeah, this guy lives here. So I, I can't really see why that per se should be illegal to save from your own property to somebody else. But um, but I can see why, and I can understand I probably would myself, you know, have a, a, a policy against doxing on a, a a forum of some description. So hopefully that answers your question. Is taking the mantle of free speech useful? Um, we're both somewhat libertarians, right libertarians, right anarchists of some variety. And what is what is the upper limit of like one wants to say anyway? That's another question, way you could phrase it too. I mean, if you think you're going to be marginalized, then yes. This is why I, to a large extent, advocate it. I mean, I suspect my tribe or things that people like me would be affiliated with are going to be viewed as illegal or not explicitly allowed. And that's never a question, you know, is because like certain things are explicitly allowed. You, no one in general is against even even quote unquote tyrannical regimes, even regimes which abroad are considered tyrannical. No one really um, is against those kinds of discussions here. Like cooking discussions. Like I imagine you can talk about cooking in North Korea or or China or United States. Maybe not. Maybe it's full um um Aurelian. So like, you know, if you want to talk about non dangerous ideas, you know, ways to cook. Like I doubt those YouTube channels are really suppressed. Although there was a Washington Post article about um uh, people doing cooking and gardening. I mean we're on the um we're on the uh, express highway to the alt right. Um but um because they were all prepping. Um, but, um, um, you know, the question is, like, free speech, again, on dangerous ideas. And, like, again, I think, you know, my tribe, and I, the last three years hasn't really made me less, if anything, it's made me more sympathetic to the radical position here. Although you do have to leave, I do probably possibly leave out the fact that there could be other things that, that are banned and repressed, um, which also could be the case, but even those, even that case, I don't really care if the, de- the black population in the United States is annoyed at the Democratic Party. It doesn't bother me. I don't really care if Jeff Bezos's workers want to unionize. It doesn't bother me. Uh, uh, you know, I don't care if Netflix workers want to unionize. It doesn't bother me. I mean, I think these technology, co- mostly these companies, are get huge subsidies from the government anyway. So, like. A lot of things that, like the normie, you know, business right would 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 be afraid of. I'm not really afraid of here. Um, if anything, I think it would be a win for a lot of people. So in that sense, the things that Roan can, you know, talks about, like I'd actually, I'd actually also approve. I mean, uh, the Libertarian Institute came out with a Keith Knight. Uh, uh, this this is Scott Horton's thing about like what do the dissident left and dissident right agree on, and like he said unions. You know, like they're just free freedom association. They're no different than corporations. So if you think corporations are fine, then the workers should also be allowed to. So like those types of things, I don't really per se have anything. So like my own opinion, my tactical interests, I don't, I don't really have anything now. Now the thing about like the, what, what the, the paleo is called degeneracy. I'll put it broadly. Well, first of all, they aren't in a position to be the censors right now. In any meaningful way, maybe in Saudi Arabia, Qatar, they are in the position to be the censors. There are the censors, but we're not in Saudi Arabia, or Qatar. 
and I'm not sure about the long-term prospect of which society will win out. Is Peter Zian right, or is Dugan right? I mean, that's the question. Like, you know, who's 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 long-term is going to win out? I mean, you know, pr- predictions about the future are always problematic. Um, you know, I still think North Korea could win out if if the, everyone else gets into nuclear war or an asteroid hits. I mean, that's that's sort of like the grim, you know, like. Like or maybe maybe like the Sangalese could win out. Um, um, you know who which which group will win out here. So I mean, so but the Paleos aren't really in a position of censoring anybody. I mean they can barely. I mean they're barely. I mean, in in places like in Northern and Western Europe, which have more quote unquote common good speech laws, things that you can say in the United States and legally be allowed to say them. Again, you'll face implicit censorship. Like you know, like like the the the, the guy with the dog that he taught, or the cat that he taught to do the the salute to, and things like that. Certain paraphernalia. So in that sense, you know, we're not really in the position to do it. So with him, what do you make of my thoughts here? I mean, what 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 what? How much of the mantle should we take here? I mean, I don't really see any things. I mean, we could just do what the left does. If we ever happen to get power, we'll just be. Um, I mean, I guess I guess to be correct. Paul Gottfried, it's the cultural left, and Roan is the cultural left that's, you know, kind of won out, not the economic left. And they'll just, you know, they have a consistent principle. Things they agree with, they're okay with. Things they don't agree with, you know, they'll uh, at minimum cut down on. What do you make of it? Should we take the mantle? I mean, should we be free speech absolutists? And, you know, go back to, is is this a unicorn? I wouldn't use the term free speech as something I would I defend as such because I think the term is very plastic. In the same way, I probably wouldn't go, I'm pro-freedom because, well, what does it even mean? Um, what I would say is I su- we should rally around the, the view that um, we need to know the best possible versions of all possible arguments in all possible arenas. Because unless we know what they are, we will not know, well, we will be less sure of whether we have the right answer or not. Uh, not to say you can't have the correct answer. I mean, for instance, you could know that 1 plus 1 equals 2 without having a very comprehensive argument as to why why it doesn't necessarily follow. Um, which, of course, you, you, you could. So I'm not saying you can't know anything. But um, in an ideal situation, what you want to do is to have the best version of one position versus the best version of another, so that you know what um, the the right uh, position to take is. Uh, I think framed in that way, uh, I think uh, is very easily um, defendable. Um, when it comes to, um, then you get, now beyond there, you get into like freedom of expression of the art, art stuff, which, which basically revolves around um, in most cases here, sex, swearing, and violence of certain types. Uh, and as you point out, the paleocons do not are not in a good position to censor anybody at present. Um, uh, but what I would say is, um, from well, from a principal position against intellectual property, um, if the paleocons, for instance, were actually to go, well, you know what, um, we oppose intellectual property and we can abolish it, then actually all the stuff that's pushed as the, the new versions of of uh, Marvel or, or gay Superman or stuff like that, uh, people could just ignore it. 
because there'll be loads of other stuff that's made that's actually in the tradition of Superman that people actually might like and watch. And so with actually having intellectual property, it allows people who have the licenses to things, uh, to franchises and um, uh, I can't think of the right term, um, you have um, different universes, etc. They have the only rights. It means that they can turn it and change it into something else. Whereas they would have significantly less power to do so if this was basically freely copyable by everybody. And effectively, you could argue fan fiction would be legal fiction and you could well, try to sell it and do your own versions, etc. And that wouldn't be illegal. Um, so in a sense, I would argue um, in such a property encourages degeneracy, especially in this case. Now, of course, if you were to take the anti-legitimate property position uh, completely or to say that well well basically owning an image is not a crime uh so for instance this is the position of those who would argue that whilst the creation of child pornography should be illegal the possession of it shouldn't be well because well who is the victim um and so uh you know if you were to take the strong position like that then um obviously Lots of people, you could say some people are going to access things that may 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 be bad for them. Now, people don't like to put things in paternalistic fashion, but basically that's what people think. And, you know, some things are bad for people. Um, but uh, I think uh, taking another position, taking a more sort of overt sense of position creates a lot of problems of infrastructure surveillance and lots of other things. And, 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 and also there'll be ways of making your activity private anyway. And so to whether or not it's actually going to achieve the goal it sets out to achieve is another question. I mean, it's just the whole thing about, we've got this online safety bill that's in England. And so it's about protecting children. I'm like, you might think that, but I'm pretty sure the outcome of this is going to be able to, is going to be suppressing people you don't like uh, politically rather than anything else. I mean, it, or, or generally law abiding citizens who, uh, may or may not like a particular government policy on immigration, something like that. You know, you will go after those sorts of people or or the petty bourgeoisie who are who have sort of hidden and have not paid some taxes. You know, they'll go after those people. And that's what it'd be used for and control and surveillance. I mean, that's what it'd be there for. Now, of course, the payload can say, oh, we wouldn't do that. But the infrastructure there would, would be there. And so if it is there, it could be used for it. Um, so uh, I think defending... But, but to circle back, defend free speech. I wouldn't say defend free speech. I would say defend steel manning in all areas. And I think that I think, you know, could, could be relatively attractive if um, ex expressed that way. The steel manning point is interesting. I I would say that, you know, what as this, this very much reminds me of argumentation ethics here. Um, now, again, this, this goes into sort of, you could, you could take this into dubious territory quickly. Like, you know, one of the left commenters on argumentation ethics will say, well, you know, well, now, well I need a platform now. Because, like, you know, if I have an idea, I should be allowed to... Uh, uh. And and some people will make this argument about Alex Jones. They'll say, well, you know, he's allowed to say what he says, but, like, you know, we don't have... He doesn't have to be on Twitter. Now, again, I know Twitter is just basically a subsidy of the, of the CIA. Um, but... I know that's a sound of hot take, but it's it's probably it's probably ninety percent true. Um, um, but um, <clears throat> or 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 if it's not true, it's 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 they're awfully you know related here. 
um, um, at least in certain areas, areas which people like Jones would deal in or others would deal in. So maybe you're not allowed a platform. But see, this, this gets into question, like, if you have a potential platform and you're, you're, you're being repressed here from the censor, you know, and it's like, like, who's, I guess, I guess, I guess the question is who's exploiting whom? It's the old, it's the old Leninist Hoppian question here, because I think Hoppe has a good take on it here, too. Like, who exactly exploits whom here? Like, who's being repressed? Who's being, um, who's being platformed? Um, and your point about, like, these, all these stupid new movies that have come out, uh, you know, being, you know, brandied about, uh, you know, you could argue those, and we're doing, we're talking about doing an episode on, you know, art in the future here, and you could argue those are actually, far from being censored, certain ideas are, are platformed very much so, quote-unquote, illegitimately here, or, you know, I mean, you saw that with, like, some of the releases on, like, they did want to drum up fear two years ago, um, so certain ideas do get, not only don't get censored, they get, um, put centerfold, to the extent you can put them centerfold. And this goes back to the, the, the um, you know, the golden age questions here I, I sort of uh, did is, is like, I don't think an event like 9-11 could happen again. Uh, I was thinking about this because like many people thought that everyone would be unified and they sort of were two weeks later. But once, once after COVID lockdowns, they were sort of were. There was a short honeymoon period. We weren't on the honeymoon period. We were basically on day three. We were both. That's how we started this show. But, but like in this sense, I think the internet has created a new era. In the same way, the printing press um, and radio created new eras. Now, radio and TV arguably were in favor of the government, but the internet, like the printing press, I'd say is 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 against centralized authorities here, like what we're doing, for example. I mean, there's just too many podcasts out there for the. Now, maybe AI could censor them all. I'm dubious of AI. But, you know, it, it, like, it could just be technolog- technological insofar as, you know, like, in, speaking of IP, you know, we can get most books and films for free. Now, you might get a computer virus. That, 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 that's a risk. So maybe it's worth just paying the $2 or whatever, or $6. If, if you're funding the author, then yes. But, you know, there might be, you know, it might just be technologically impossible to do certain ideas. And you talk about like, you know, do they actually do the censors actually win? I don't know. I mean, I I suspect that the censors do do something. I think they do do something. I'm not one of those people that think that, like, like I, if if speaking of platforming versus censoring, if if Alex Jones got the same platform that Stephen Colbert got, how many? I mean, if you just log onto a generic YouTube account and like an incognito browser. In the United States, you're going to get a Stephen Colbert or a, a, an NBC clip of some variety. Could you imagine now? Could you imagine if it's Joe Rogan's interview with Robert Malone? Uh, now, just think about that. Like, come on. Like, or imagine if it's like a Scott Horton interview with um, some uh, uh, military expert on Ukraine or something or Iraq. Just think about like what kind of world we live in. Um, it would be very different. And I said, I said sometimes that world actually already exists here. Now. It, does it exist in everyone's mind? I don't know. Now, again, this sounds sort of like optimistic, but I think technology is going to push certain things. Now, again, maybe there are instruments of control, too. That would be my overall take. I don't take the mantle of it, but I, I, a mantle of free speech, i definitely not against it. And I don't, I'm not really in a position to be censor anybody. That would be my overall take. So, I think, do you have any final comments on that? Thanks for doing this episode.
I think your point on um, golden ages is interesting. I, I think you, you you could, as you mentioned, plausibly make a case that uh, pre Charlottesville, because that's when internet censorship went crazy. Um, well, actually, no, it started going bad in the UK after Brexit because oh no, Cambridge Analytica was using publicly available information to sell ads to people they think might be swayed swayed by them. It's like, well, since when has that been abnormal behavior? So uh, I would say, so you could argue up until then, you get the smartphone things, people can access it. Um, so when it comes to sort of accessing new and sort of quote unquote dangerous ideas, you could argue that was a golden age. Although you could argue sort of the pre, pre-modern period, if there's no printing press, I mean, yeah, maybe if you... Um, if you said something bad about the parish priest or something, but in a sense, everything is kind of private. And so you couldn't be hounded in kind of the same way. Oh, well, that said, a lot of it would be reputational and, uh, and right ruminations would of course make the argument that uh, free speech only really comes into existence in say the 19th century. And as a, and is a creation of, of uh, the modern state, because it was a way of um, changing social regulation, sort of personal to this more impersonal, um, larger body further away from you more distant which would then allow um further space for the development of the individual um but um yes on, on a practical basis irrespective of whether it's legal or not I, I do think that's an interesting claim and probably largely true uh so up to 2015 uh that kind of maybe 10 year period i think tw- 2005 to 2015 would, would, would be an interesting one. Um, so uh, I, I, I think going forward, I think kind of like the conservative types who are oh, with that pro-free speech, they're, they're really not significantly reflective enough, which is, I suppose, not surprising. Uh, and I think if, if, if they were, if they were saying, well, no, what we support is steel manning and, uh, that's the main thing and and, and in the appropriate space people say that that's fine um and um that would be a step forward that said of course you could always steal have someone steal man and and then say oh well you're still manning communism really well but we don't really like you because you're defending communism or let's seize seize your kind of bank accounts well not not you know seize them too far no you cancel them like it would kanye um then then you kind of got sort of a different area. And, and to be fair, actually, or the background of free speech and cancellation is to a large extent, you could argue, the monopolization of many areas from a few large firms. So if anybody is cancelled by one of them, you can't actually do anything. I mean, for instance, if you were cancelled by MasterCard or Visa, I mean, how do you do any transactions online? I mean, the, your only option is crypto. Otherwise, it's basically impossible because, I mean, PayPal is basically a, a v- version built on top of um, the, the uh, well, not necessarily Swift, but you know, the bank to bank to bank sort of um, clearing operations and stuff, which Visa and MasterCard have that kind of own version as effectively of. Um, so I think that that's certainly related to that. But um yeah, focus, uh, steel money rather than free speech, I think is going to be a more productive uh, way forward. I'm just very concerned to make sure we use terms and know what they actually mean and not sort of trying to hide behind them. But uh, yes, certainly nobody really defends free speech in the absolute strictest sense, not even want to block. 
And I'd just like to thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on Popping on YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the higher we get in search rankings and the more people can access this material. And if you'd like to contact the show for any reason at all, please contact us at mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. That's mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. Oh, 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 oh,